This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Balls. Small boat crossings are down 17% in the first three months of this year compared to last. Fraser, what's caused it? Well, this is quite impressive news for the government. The Home Office had predicted that there would be 65,000 people crossing this year. That's a significant increase in last year. Instead of the increase, there is a decrease. Now, why might this be? Might it be because of the weather, etc.? Might it be because the French are getting very good at intercepting? I would guess, and we don't know yet, my guess is that it's due to the lack of Albanians. It wasn't so long ago that Albanians were making up almost half of those um, coming across in small boats. And then last December, Rishi Sunak agreed with the government of Albania to start deporting them, putting them in planes, and they would take off every single week. Now, the moment that starts happening, you blow a hole in the people smugglers' business model. Nobody's going to be paying three grand, as they have been doing, to cross the channel if there's a reasonable chance that you'll be back in Albania within, like, a week. So when this happens, you will take away one of the people smugglers' biggest clients. For a long time, they were the biggest single client. Now, this is important for two reasons. One that Rishi Sunak has as one of his five pledges is to stop the small boats. He was mocked by that, including by me. But he's certainly reducing the small boats now. That is, um, you know, more than a lot of people thought he would do. Secondly, this bodes well for the Rwanda policy. If deportations are enough to stop the Albanians, then when Britain starts deporting serious numbers of people to Albania, this might put the people's traffickers, who are, by the way, the modern-day slave trade equivalent, it would put them seriously, um, I wouldn't say out of business completely, but it would sincerely damage their business. So I think this is news, that further news, that makes me suspect something which I've changed my mind on recently. I used to think Rishi Sunak didn't stand a hope of stopping the small boats. Now I think he does have a chance, and I think today's figure is prove it. And can you just run us quickly through the dynamics of the different nationalities that were coming over and that probably are now? It was the case, I think, that it was mostly Albanians who were coming across before, but now, if that's not the case, who, where are people coming from? Well, if we look at last year as a whole, then after Albania, it was Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria. These are all countries which, of course, have still got good reason for people to flee. I mean, right now, under the UN Charter, we are uh, legally compelled to give sanctuary to anybody with a well-founded fear of prosecution. That would cover literally every single woman in Afghanistan, which is why I think we need to be um, having a rethink of this system. If our commitments are out of kilter with what our abilities are, then we create a dysfunction exploited by the people traffickers, and we end up with a system where people traffickers are now providing about half of the asylum seekers who show up in Britain. But you might, at a push, think that the people smugglers are seeing which way the wind is blowing. Now, the government is doing relatively well with its Rwanda policy. It's had its case upheld in the High Court. It's being appealed at the end of this month. So it might be up and running quite quickly. Now, remember, the amount of money these poor souls spend is just heartbreaking. Between three grand 
for the English Channel bit, or sometimes up to £15,000 if you're coming from as far as Afghanistan. So you're looking at people who are really scraping together every penny they've got, every penny they can borrow, and trying to make a journey to a better place to live. But if you're going to spend all that money, you would want to be reasonably sure that you're going to stay there when you get there. Now, until recently, your chances of staying in Britain were pretty much 100%. Our deportation record is abysmal. So if somebody lands here in a boat, there is little realistic chance of deportation. You might slip into the black economy. There's a thriving um, black economy in Britain. There's at least a million people undocumented who are living without legal protection, and I've argued in the past about giving them that protection. But if you think that Britain is a country which is beginning to get its um, Immigration Act in order, and if you think that Rishi Sunak does stand a chance of being able to deport to Rwanda those who arrive here illegally, then all of a sudden that £50,000 does not seem like a very good investment. Katie, the government will no doubt see this as good news, but I imagine it's not quite time for a victory lap just yet. No, I think there's some way to go before um, ultimately Rishi Sunak can say that he is close or even making good progress on stopping the boats and as Fraser says I think there's a few reasons behind this one one of the things they're saying you know no crossings have been recorded since 29th of March due to changeable weather conditions but I think in terms of the government approach it is trying to do lots of different things when it comes to it rather than just the Rwanda policy rather than just the legal migration bill which clearly feeds into the Rwanda policy you have the Albania deal you have the deal with France and then there's also I think um, the act of moving um, asylum seekers from hotels to um, these larger facilities uh, whether it's a barge which is yet to be confirmed we may get more on or um, these bases I think this is all aimed at trying to send the message to public that progress is being made so even on some of these things such as the, the moving of asylum seekers I think anything that means it's less visible in terms of uh, across multiple constituencies across the UK is part of this plan when will they actually have things to point to on this I do think that in number 10 one of the things that is seen as probably one of the potentially most symbolic or significant moments if they can just get one flight to Rwanda of course one flight would not in itself be a deterrent but I think it would make things difficult for Labour because you saw again at the weekend you had Suada Bravman out um, on the broadcast round this time not repeating what a government source has said by suggesting there'll be flights by the summer refused to say that at least on the record and then you had Lisa Nandy for Labour ultimately saying you know this scheme is unworkable and Labour is so keen to make it about uh, lack of workability that you can start to see a situation where if you can just show the scheme works even in a small way, it makes it harder for Labour. I think there was an interesting poll today by YouGov for the Times, which is actually saying that, which is less good news, news for Rishi Sunak, at least in the media, which is, uh, suggests that since, uh, you know, the past month, since he started talking about it, confidence that Rishi Sunak is actually going to be able to stop the boats has gone down, not up. But, but I think uh, there is obviously a, a different way of looking at it, which is, public expectation in terms of what the government can do on the boats and partly what Fraser was saying but the fact that he was so pessimistic about it early on is so low that you can see a, uh, a moment when the mood music changes on the scheme by just being able to point to a few things because I think the sense of the government's over-promising repeatedly means that and I still think it's an if that they, that they get to the point but if you do have flights taking off, if this is a consistent trend of numbers going down, that would actually be very surprising for the, for the public because they almost many have given up on the idea something is going to move. And this is clearly an important issue for the public, as you've said, because there was a poll out today from Conservative Home 
showing that Suella Braverman is up again in cabinet rankings of Conservative members. She's now fourth from the top at 47.8, having been sixth from the bottom on 20.4 only last November. Katie, what else did you read from that poll today from Conservative Home? So yeah, as you say, Suella Braverman's in the top four, but I also found quite significant the fact that Rishi Sunak's fortunes have risen so much over the past month. So just last month, he was six from the bottom when it comes to the cabinet league table on 7.4 points. And this time he's six from the top. And I think that that reflects the fact that Rishi Sunak has had quite a good month. And it's interesting because there's um, quite a lot of discourse at the moment about are people getting over over the top about this idea the Tories could turn things around by the time of the next election. And I think that you can talk about things in different ways. I think you can just objectively say Rishi Sunak's standing has approved of his parliamentary party and looking at this poll with Tory members in the past month it does not necessarily mean the Tories are going to win a historic fifth term but I think it does show you that uh, we're moving away from I think the firefighting uh, chaotic period or at least it seems to be the direction that uh, things going in under Rishi Sunak so the poll yes you have I think grassroots favourites I mean Ben Wallace stays at the top Kemi Badenoch I think is the bookies favourite to succeed um, Rishi Sunak should he lose the next election and go James Cleverly Suada Braverman all, uh, Penny Morden all I think grassroots favourites but I think it's the transformation of the leader which is probably the, is my biggest takeaway from looking at that and Fraser, you wrote for The Telegraph recently about beginning to see how the Tories might win the next general election. Have you bet money on it? <laughs> I would. I stopped betting money on politics or even predicting with confidence around sort of 2014, I think. Ever since then, anybody who feels any certainty over the direction of any election is, is um, having you won. But then again, it's human nature to sort of see trends, to see what's going to happen around the corner. I mean, every time that uh, you, you might think, OK, there's no way the Tories could possibly win another election, and the, the fifth term after this disgraceful performance is impossible. Of course, all of that is logical, but then it's becoming increasingly easier for me to see the counter-argument to that, that Rishi Sunak started off 30 points behind Labour. He's now closed that to 15 points behind. He is um, impressing the public more and more. His, normally with them, with leaders, they, they start with a good impression and that gets worse and worse and worse. It's a one-way process. He's doing it the other way around. And he's doing that because he is making the case for himself by his actions rather than his words. Meanwhile, Keir Starmer is showing himself to be particularly accident-prone. I mean, why he decided to go for Tories over pensions, for example, when he's one of the few people in the country to have a very special pension plan literally created for him and passed by Parliament for him, made me think that he's capable of more blunders, perhaps, than we're talking about. And there is more upside to the Tories because the expectations are so low. So right now, I actually can see a, a path to victory for the Conservatives. And let's remember that they don't need to be ahead of Labour in the opinion polls to win an election. They can actually be behind and still be the largest single party or the most likely to form a government uh, because of our Westminster first-past-the-post system. So today's news on the small boats and on the improvement of Rishi ratings are consistent with my hunch that the next election will be, at the very least, a lot more competitive than people think it will be right now. I think the local elections next month will be interesting because um, ultimately there is this growing narrative that Rishi Sunak has managed to do lots of people, what, what lots of people didn't think he would be able to do in terms of calming the Tory party, getting MPs to vote for difficult 
things on difficult issues like the Windsor framework you think how small that rebellion was in the end but the local elections I think are going to be unhelpful to the Rishi Sunak recovery narrative because you have a situation whereby um, ultimately there's lots of warnings they could lose around a thousand seats it might be less bad than that but it certainly isn't going to feel like a moment of rejuvenation and you had Rishi Sunak last week addressing the 1922 committee so Tory MPs and trying to say you know this will be bad but stick with us we show you know we look at these small signs of progress so far in terms of the slight narrowing of the polls but also on the five priorities which he keeps going back to as you know reason to to keep focused on the bigger picture and not use a bad result to fall back into infighting but I think what it could do is if Labour do have a you know a good result some people say they could get um, around 700 seats that could put some momentum back behind Keir Starmer because I think one thing that I have been struck by in the past month is it's been harder for, I think for Labour to set the news agenda I think we're struggling a bit more than that. and the part of the Tory tax is to keep putting Labour onto their issues and the things they want to talk about you can see it today with the grooming gangs announcements so you have the government ultimately uh, launching a new task force to try and tackle on criminal grooming gangs and purposely saying in the press release in the comments by the home secretary but also comments from the prime minister that it's time to talk about the ethnic minority um, element in some of these gangs uh, the fact that they think political correctness has stopped in the past and it's drawn labor politicians into now having a row about whether political correctness you know is an aspect or not in criminal gangs and, and i think that's probably how the tories wanted the day to play out but of course, with any bad local election results, I think that uh, you speak to government optimists, they point to the fact that the news agenda could change quite swiftly as two days after local elections, you have the king's coronation. And of course, shortly after the coronation, we have the Coffee House Live coronation special. That's going to be on Wednesday, the 10th of April. Doors are opening at 6.30pm and it will be at the Emmanuel Centre in London. Fraser, Katie are both going to be there alongside the Daily Telegraph's Camilla Tomney discussing what the coronation of King Charles III will mean for the UK. If you want to get tickets, you can get them at spectator.co.uk forward slash coronation. Thank you very much for listening.